Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Kuppinger, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening, everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still rather good friends. Tonight we'll be asking, would you be comfortable enough to come out to your parents? Which of these failed party leadership candidates would have made the best leader? And finally, do you trust politicians? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first... Last week, we asked you to send in your opinions on the following question. What's your favourite film? And as always, you guys have been sending in loads and loads and loads of opinions. And let's kick off with our first one from Harrison. And he says, this has probably never been said before as somebody's favourite film, but mine is Step Brothers, the film with Will Ferrell. It's one of the earliest films I remember seeing with my brother, and it's just so funny. Also, I just have such good memories of the film and me, my brother and my mum sitting on the couch watching it together. It makes me so happy. Well, Callum, what do you think of that? Uh, I mean, it's a good film, Step Brothers. I, I, I have seen it. It was, it was quite a while ago, but I, I do recall it being a very funny film. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's probably not exactly uh, one you'd really expect someone to say as, as their favourite film as such because um, people tend to go a lot more for the classics as we'll see with some of the other opinions that um, we've got in com- coming in as such but you know each to their own Harrison I think that's a pretty solid pick still for a, for a favourite film have you, have you seen it George? I have seen it and I have seen it many a time it is probably uh, one of my favourite films I don't think it creeps into my uh, my top 10 but I, I would definitely say it, it is up there um, and, and I think it's always nice to have a film that um, you can have happy memories with and, and it's a film that you know your family can sit around and, and watch yeah. and, and I think um, I, I think it's quite interesting actually because when uh, you call it, kind of ask people about their favourite film I think most people don't actually 
um, say a comedy is their favourite film. I think normally yeah. it's kind of like a um, a rom com or um, like a murder mystery or something. And I and I and I think you know comedies are never really that high up there because I don't know maybe because with comedies you can only watch them so many times before the um, humour side of it doesn't isn't as effective because you know what's coming yeah. up. Um, but then maybe at the same time, because you know what's coming up, it's still as funny. Um, but, but who knows? I mean, it's kind of a bit like white chicks, white chicks is, you know, a comedy. Um, and I watched that so many times to the fact that I could probably quote quite a lot of the, uh, script from it. And yet I still find that, that just as funny. Yeah. It's, it's not one I've seen actually, white chicks. I'll have to, oh, I'll, I'll have to rectify that next time I'm with you. We can, we'll, <laughs> we'll watch white chicks together. All right. Um, so is that your favourite film, White Chicks, then, or, or have you got oh, another oh. pick? No way, no way. It's not my favourite film at all. Fair. What What is then? Oh God. Oh no. Um, probably. Uh, God. You can't probably. be shocked. I asked this question, George. Yeah, I know. It I should. Question. <laughs> I should have been ready, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, I I can't really pick just one, but I think it would be something like um. Uh, something like Iron Lady or Notting Hill or Love Actually. How about you? <laughs> I was going to say classic Tory, but then they they did become a lot less um, uh, Tory. So so well done, George. <laughs> uh, my it's it is immensely difficult to to pick a a favourite film. Probably uh, kind of historically, what what I've always said is my favourite film is Braveheart. Uh, which I, I know you hate that film, George, actually, as yeah. it goes. Um, but I, I've always absolutely loved that film. Um, just, kind of quite, it's quite ironic, really, because that's a film about um, a country becoming independent, and, it, and yet you're so against our country being independent. <laughs> uh, I mean, George, let's not get into this. This is a nice, uh, light-hearted discussion. Um, about people's favourite films. Let's, let's, let's not do this, George, because you're wrong. Um, and I'll move on to our next opinion, I think, because I've got nothing to say to that fact. Uh, <laughs> it's from Yasmin. Yasmin said, This is a classic, but my favourite film is Romeo and Juliet, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. It's so good in every way. It's romantic, but it's also action-packed. Everyone in it looks so hot, and the design of it is also pleasing to me. I watch the film probably like twice a year. It is absolutely faultless, in my opinion. If I don't know what film to, uh, I want to watch, I know I can put that film on, have some escapism, and it's a safe choice because I know I'll love it endlessly. Is that, you've definitely seen that, George, haven't you? Because we had to do it in English, Romeo and Juliet, the, the film yeah. version. Yeah, well. I'm, I, I'm really sorry, Yasmin, but I, I'm going to have to say it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it, it gave me a migraine how like jumpy it was. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio can't act to save his life. Oh, uh, I'm not having that. Sorry, George. That's uh, just absolute. <laughs> that's rubbish, George. Absolute rubbish. And uh, well, each each their own opinion, Mr. Gurr. No, you're wrong. <laughs> um and no i i really i i just i don't sometimes get the concept of trying to take a um a shakespeare play and modernize it and i i don't know i did it didn't sit comfortably with me whereas if you've got something like um oh god i can't remember the name of it now oh dear I, i'm not even gonna 
try and quote another film because I can't remember the name of it. Um, but essentially, I don't think if if it should have been kept in this era um, of an olden, you know, kind of time. And I I I just can't comfortably watch a film with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in because it honestly puts me on edge how how uncomfortable he seems in acting roles. But Mister Gur, um, are you the uh, the Romeo to Juliet? <laughs> I, I don't know, to, to someone maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, no, I mean, it's, it's, I've only seen that film in, um, in, in English, as I say, and it wasn't one that particularly stood out for me, I've got to say. I didn't think it was abysmal or anything. I think the, the biggest scene that um, stands out to me is when, I think the guy might be in drag, uh, and he's singing Young Hearts, the song remember who it's by to be honest but um and he he's singing that as part of the film i'm pretty sure that was in the romeo and juliet film maybe i'm completely wrong but i'm i'm sure that's like the opening scene of it or something like that and we had to analyze it for english or or something along those lines and that's like my biggest takeaway from that film i can't really remember it beyond that but obviously i know the plot because it's romeo and juliet yeah, do you, do you think maybe it kind of tarnished the film for you because we had to study it so hard and because we we had to analyze it and and we had to do it for work. Do you think if you had seen it in your own um determination it would you would have a different opinion on it? Um see I can see the argument there but generally the books that I've studied are the books that I like more like I'm I mean we'll probably end up doing this as a topic and another time but um my, my favorite book is the great gatsby and i studied that i think twice in school and if mm. anything that just increased how much i I liked that because i just think it's you know absolutely amazing and so so detailed and things like this and, and just written amazingly um, whereas I guess probably why I didn't end up like falling in love with the film version of Romeo and Juliet is because cinematically it's not absolutely stunning or anything. It's just they've taken a good play and adapted it, essentially. Yeah, I mean, Great Gatsby, another film that Leonardo uh, DiCaprio can't act in. Uh, uh, he was good in that. I, the film version, it's not as good as the book, but it's all right. Uh, uh Another opinion is from uh, Gabrielle, and she says, for me, it's split between Iron Man 2 and Batman The Dark Knight. Both of those films are probably the best superhero films to ever be made. I like Avengers, but the storylines are are always a bit busy because they're trying to fit in so many different superheroes. But Iron Man 2 is perfect, and Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight is also amazing. Christian Bale's Batman and Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man are probably my favourite film characters of all time. I am, I'm excited for the new Joker film as well to see how uh, Jaqueen Phoenix is in the role. Callum, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've seen both of those films as well, which is always good. Uh, the Dark well Knight, obviously, yeah, uh, amazing. One of the best films of all time, really. Um, r- really, really good. And, and, you know, just the the way it was written and, and the way it was acted was amazing. Iron Man 2, it didn't particularly stand out for me, truthfully, uh, Gabrielle. But I, I'm sure, you know, I, I probably need to go back and watch it again because I haven't seen it in absolutely ages to be honest are they two films you've seen George they are and and they are 
definitely standout films for me. I think they were really well written. They are um, all the actors in them were really, really professional. Um, and I, and I, I mean, personally, I, I'm not a fan really of superhero films. Yeah. I don't um, uh, religiously follow them. But when there are films, superhero films come out, I do. I will go and see them. And I think I. Um, enjoy the fact that there are superhero films where you don't have to um keep watching every single one in line and there are the you can just watch them as individual films without knowing anything else and i and i really like that and i think that really comes out especially in iron man 2 um and the batman um the dark knight so i do definitely enjoy them uh, but again i there is no super superhero film in my top 10 of favorite films oh really okay so yeah what, but um, it, are they like your favourite superhero films, like Iron Man two and Batman? Um, to be honest with you, I I think they are. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I definitely the Dark Knight is for me. Uh, right, we've got time to uh, fit in one more opinion. It's from Michael. Michael said most of the time films don't really stick with me for a long time, but one film which I still think about is Inception. It absolutely blew my mind. What I love so much about it is not just is the movie about an inception, but it's also an inception to you when you're watching it. Even today, sometimes I wake up thinking about it, and it's one of the first films I remember everybody talking about. What would be my cue? Am I awake or still dreaming? It screws with your mind, but that's what makes it so good. George, another uh, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio as well, isn't it? I think it's a bit popular. Uh, oh, did you dear. did you uh, boycott this one because it's got DiCaprio in it? Or um, I'm trying to think. I I I have a feeling I've seen this, um, but I, but again, it's not something that has stuck in my mind. Um, I mean, it's quite a quite a thing to leave that effect on on you, Michael. The the fact that you are lying there in bed wondering if you're awake or still dreaming. Um, I can I, I hope that you're you're awake and not dreaming. Um, because I mean, I I don't think I'm, I'm living my dream necessarily at the moment, so I, I hope I'm just awake. Um, but I I think I think when you get films that really and truly leave an effect on you, you know they are incredibly well made, and you obviously do enjoy them. Um, and I I think there's oh what was it? There's a there's a film that that really left a mark on me, which I can't remember the name of, um, which is a mystery kind of film, and it's really really clever. Um, so those kind of films are definitely fascinating. But what, what do you think, Callum? Yeah, no, I, I, I think those films are really good. The ones that really do try and, um, through kind of not telling a completely linear story and not having things go kind of frame by frame or anything like that, they really do end up screwing with your minds, like uh, Memento or Shutter Island or Shelter Island, something like that. I think Shutter Island and Shutter Shelter Island, Island is the how i met your mother episode so <laughs> uh, but you know films like that they, they are really good at just giving you almost like a whole new perspective on things yeah no absolutely i mean as you can see everybody Callum and i would be absolutely awful film critics um <laughs> right so i remember we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show and it is now time for us to be going to our first song break of this evening and we'll be back very soon
Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Time to move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we are asking the question, would you be comfortable enough to come out to your parents? So coming out has long been a synonymous phrase for telling people that you are gay or bisexual. It is increasingly less daunting, or at least less likely to be ill-received when you come out, with tolerance for different sexualities at an all-time high. However, many LGB people still struggle when coming out to their parents, with some even being too afraid to actually do so for fear of social exclusion. We are hoping that the number of people experiencing this is a very small and ever-shrinking minority, but we thought a poll is one of the best ways to find out if this is true. So George, if you were LGB, do you think you'd feel comfortable enough to come out to your parents? Um, I think this is a question that uh, being someone that's heterosexual, I don't think about enough. And I feel like I do need to think about it um, more often because it's something that affects a lot of people. And it's something that means a lot to people as well. You know, accepting um, one of the first stages of, of maybe um, the acceptance that you are gay is obviously accepting yourself. But then you're the next big hurdle as it were is is coming out to your parents um the, the the people that love and support you given if i put myself in that scenario um i think i would be um i i think my my mum would be fine with it I, I don't think she would have a problem at all i think she would be she would want to know more as to why i um maybe felt the way I did or, or whatever and just be a bit curious about it um and my I I'm very close with my dad and um I mean he's one of my best mates and I don't as such think he would have a problem with it but I I kind of have a feeling that he would be the one to find it harder to get used to the fact that I was gay um not that he would ever let that um become a problem I just kind of have the feeling that he would be the one that's actually um would would find it hard to get used to it and 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 used to me bringing um a a guy round that I'm in a relationship with I think that that's would be quite a difficult thing for him to process because I I think sometimes when you are a parent perhaps wrongly you kind of imagine your child to be with the opposite sex and have a family um through natural causes and i think when people come out gay as a as a parent i think maybe that's that uh, dream of yours or that visualization of yours gets thrown out of the window um and i think that can be hard for a parent and i'm not, and I'm, I'm not taking away the fact that it's also definitely hard for the person that's coming out gay as well but it must be hard for the parents as well to to accept it i don't i think overall i would be comfortable coming out with um my parents i mean i am quite a feminine person anyway um i have quite a, a, a i'm very in touch with my feminine side uh, i can be quite flamboyant and um to be honest with you i don't really think they'd be very shocked if i came out gay <laughs> um but but i i think that's i think that's probably also a way i would approach it i think i would try and ease them in and, and at the end of the day i think your parents they know and love you so well that they would know that you are um 
a certain way in sexuality and I, and I think that is they would know it anyway and I, and I think that quite a few people when they do come out to their parents find that their parents turn around to them and say we knew anyway or we had an idea that you were gay anyway yeah um so yeah i i think it definitely is a daunting thing um and i uh champion anyone that um has done it or is thinking to do it um because it's a very very brave thing to do um and, and I, I i would think i'd overall struggle but i think i could get through it how about you though callum yeah no i mean obviously it is it's a it's a it's a fairly big deal. I mean, nowadays it's maybe less of a big deal in in a good way, in that um, people are much more accepting, and I think uh, people who are LGB do tend to come out a bit um, younger than what they used to. Um, which just um, actually, whilst we're talking about that, I'm, there's an awful lot of people who maybe actually are, um, I think, tolerant of people being. Uh, lesbian gay bisexual but they quite often say oh uh, 14's too young to to come out as as gay or bisexual and and I, I would say to that that I think you know um what what your sexuality is when you're a kid is it what once you know you you start to hit puberty and things like this I I think you do know what your sexuality is so so I think maybe sometimes when people are saying that, it's not necessarily because they're homophobic or anything like that, but sometimes I think you just need to actually put yourself in someone else's shoes and be like, well, actually, when I was 13, 14, I, I did actually know who I liked. But that, yeah. that, that's beside from the question as such. Um, I, do I think my parents would be comfortable enough or, or I'd be comfortable enough to come out to my parents? Absolutely, yes. Um, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I think it would be you know a completely smooth uh kind of transition to 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 accepting that um but I think they definitely would be um trying their absolute best to very quickly um make it not seem normal but things go back to normal quickly and it's just one of those things of rather than like oh have you got a a girlfriend have you got a boyfriend and uh, and mm. things like that um so i do think they would um accept it but of course you know there is that some issues that then do arise which as you've spoken about georgia i think probably the hardest thing for maybe for any parent really is uh, although it's now maybe a slightly outdated but certainly traditionally it meant that there may not be biological grandkids uh, and to a lot of parents they very much want to have grandchildren which I think is you know absolutely right that they would want that it doesn't necessarily mean their kids should have grandchildren just to please their parents or anything like that um, but of course that that coming to terms with the fact that maybe you won't necessarily have biological grandchildren that's probably the thing that would be most difficult for my parents to to come to terms with. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think if we were asking this question twenty years ago, we would, it would be a very different answer. Yeah. Um. And and I have or or I've experienced my mum's friends um 
come out gay at the age of 40 because oh, really? yeah because they were so afraid of of becoming or coming out as gay um when they were younger and they've obviously they've realized it is more of a of an accepted thing now and um they feel comfortable to come out now um and you know i i think it's quite sad that we are potentially still in a situation where people are in have absolutely every right to feel the way that they want and to love the people that they want and it, it even still with sometimes it can be hard for them to open up about who they love and i think that is wrong um i, I mean do you do you think that there is any way you would kind of do it or do you think it would just be a case of sitting your parents down or would you do it in passing conversation um or would you do as i kind of suggested earlier um gradually build upon it and then you know release the outcome um i think you, it is a, a it's it's not a big deal in the sense that it really drastically changes things for people or anything like that or means that they don't love you unless or anything like that but it is a big deal in that it is a a slight um change to maybe the expectations you have of what what happens in your kid's life and, and things like that so i think you do almost owe it to them and actually sit them down and have a proper grown-up conversation about it and as you said george with your your mum asking questions and things like that and you know, helping to normalise these things, I, I suppose, um, so, so that, I mean, r- really, realistically, I think the kind of society we want to head towards is when you don't almost have to come out as as such, and, and it yeah. is just a very much a, a very nonchalant thing of, like, oh, do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Oh, mm. uh, no, not seeing anyone at the moment, but I like boys or something like that, but really, like, Oh, fair. Like r- rather than like this really big deal, but of course we do still live in in a society where there there is that more um you know that uh, heteronormativity or uh, whatever quite the word is. Yeah, um, yeah. We do live in a society that's like that, so of course we do have to still have that um, coming out at least for for this generation. I think. I mean, would would you? sit them down and have a have a proper chat about it i think oh absolutely i would and and i would want them to i would want them to ask questions I, i'd find it weird if they didn't ask any questions to be honest um and i would want them to to find out what was what it why i felt the way i did and and, yeah. and what you know and how i was feeling and everything and um and i would I definitely want them to ask questions because i feel like i would want to be able to have those conversations with my parents anyway if i was feeling uncomfortable about a relationship that i was in or anything like that yeah um do you do you think however i mean obviously coming out to your parents is one thing but do you think then obviously your grandparents are of a different generation again do you mm. think it would be harder for you to come out to your grandparents um than your parents you stole the question right from me, George, because I was literally <laughs> about to ask you the exact same thing. Um, I, I think you have to be a bit more um, expectant 
that maybe the level of tolerance and the level of accepting might not be as strong as it is um, from your parents, from from your grandparents, as it were. But I, I, I would feel comfortable enough to come out to my grandparents. I, but I don't think we'd probably have a really big discussion about it. But I yeah. think they definitely would accept it still. Um, but it would just be more of a, like, this is how it is, as it were. Uh, what about you, George? Just very quickly. Um, I mean, I suppose you could could say that uh, I mean but both my uh, I don't have any grandparents yes, but if they were um, alive but but I, I think my grandparents especially uh, because they were um, are a lot older than or were a lot older than your grandparents um, and they are your typical old conservative um, and they I think they wouldn't as much have a problem they would definitely query it um but as as such i think it would be there would be the kind of the proper british approach of it's talked about once and then we shut up about it and don't say it again yeah yeah i think that's how they would be to be honest fair enough um just very quickly how do you think this poll was going to be i think i'm full i would i would love to say that that no is going to be um high up on this but i think unfortunately um sorry no um I I would love to say say that yes is going to be high up in this, but I think no is just going to triumph it. Really? Fair enough. I I I think yes will will win as such. I think um, people will be about seventy percent of the audience. I'm I'm hopeful, as it were. Uh, Right then, we've reached time to go on to a song break. Remember to vote on this poll. Would you be comfortable enough to come out to your parents? You can do that with radio.co.uk. Forward slash listen, and we'll be back in a jiffy. Hello, and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So, to find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page at Wiz Radio. Okay then, let's move on to our third discussion of this evening, and we're asking the question, which of these failed party leadership candidates would have made the best leader? So we always, some might say quite rightly, seem to only remember those that have been successful when they put themselves up um, to become the leader of their party. People like Boris Johnson, Jeremy Corbyn and Joe Swinson. But what about those that put themselves forward but failed at the final hurdle? Is it possible that in hindsight you wish that the runner-up actually became the successor? Could they have done a better job of running the party? Well, we will never actually truly know. But what we can do is ask you. Out of these failed party leadership candidates, who would you have Who would have made the best leader um, out of the following? So we've got Jeremy Hunt, Norman Lamb and Yvette Cooper. Obviously, before we ask you, lovely people, I have to ask my um, annoyingly boring co-host, uh, <laughs> Mr. Callum Gurr. Um, so, Callum, I think it is obviously quite obvious who you're going to go for, um, Jeremy Hunt. But which of these candidates uh, would you go for? And if your if that candidate wasn't on there, who would you pick next? Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that I will be would be going for Norman Lamb. 
Um, I, I personally didn't vote for Norman Lamb in the leadership election when when it came around. So uh, Norman Lamb was standing against Tim Farron, and uh, I did vote for Tim Farron. I will oh. freely admit it. Wow. Um, and I mean, I don't want to get into a discussion on this, but I, I still stand by that decision, as it were. But I do think that Norman Lamb in another time could have been an, an exceptional leader because obviously he's a massive champion of uh, mental health um, and, and, you know, providing better services and better support for people with mental health issues, which obviously is massively important. And it's only increasingly important as we get more of an understanding of mental ill health and things like that. Um, but I also think one of the reasons that I would be would have liked Norman Lamb as leader is I think he's got a bit of a radical streak in there. Um, you know, he's very much um, been uh, on record as being in favour of assisted dying, um, which, um, you know, is not something that under um, under Tim Farron and under our leadership candidates we've really been seeking to push, although I think it is party policy. Um but also, he's obviously massively in favour of cannabis legalisation as well, and also uh, decriminalisation of, of other drugs. So I think that's a really kind of radical, liberal policy agenda that he would have proposed, which would have been amazing. So uh, in another time when we didn't need um, to kind of completely wash our hands of the coalition, I think Norman Lamb could have been a very good leader. Um, if not necessarily the most charismatic leader in the world, but certainly in terms of policy, I think he'd have moved us forward. Um, then kind of moving on through the other candidates, so I'll leave Jeremy Hunt to you, George, as it were, <laughs> because obviously you, you, you were big in favour of Jeremy Hunt becoming a Conservative leader. Um, but Yvette Cooper... Um, I think, for one, I'll say the obvious in terms of it would have been good to have had a female leader of the Labour Party. Uh, I think we can't ignore that fact that that would have been good to to have happened. Um, and, and it would have been massively important for, for women's rights as such. Uh, but I think she also had a good policy platform to offer that was kind of a, a halfway house between between Corbynism and uh, Blairism or, or more Blairite policies. I think she was more left wing than what Tony Blair was or Liz Kendall, who also stood in that leadership election. But she maybe wasn't quite as left wing as what what Corbyn was. Although I've got to say that having looked at some of her policies, um, she the kind of actually then what would have been on offer um, would have made it so that there wasn't actually too much difference between the Conservative and Labour parties. One example being that she didn't see the benefit of free school meals, which nowadays I, I, I think, to be fair, that's one thing that Jeremy Corbyn has got right. Um, so I think Norman Lamb ultimately would have been the best out of those candidates. So I've rattled on a little bit there, George. Um, tell us about Jeremy Hunt, but also maybe about any of the others. I mean, I I, uh, I find it quite amazing that you uh, presume that I'm going to go for Jeremy Hunt. Uh, are, are you <laughs> no, not? 
Oh, no, of course I'm going to be in Jeremy Hunt. I mean, I'm quite biased. I, I was part of his uh, leadership campaign. Maybe that's why he didn't get elected. Um, <laughs> Probably, <laughs> I I voted for Jeremy um, in the leadership election, and I backed Jeremy because I believed that he was someone that was um, – what I believed in conservatism and he was someone that I felt could bring the Conservative Party back to the centre right. And I believe that he was pushing towards an agenda that was right for all, right for people who um, worked hard and then could reap the benefits from the system. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I think he was as much as he went on about it, that the fact that he was an entrepreneur, um, I do, <laughs> I, I do believe that that was one big factor of his campaign. And I, like you said with Norma Lamb, any other, any, um, on a, other time, I think he would have made an absolutely fantastic prime minister. And I think he would have got in. It's, it's just, if Brexit wasn't involved, I think he would have got in. Um, and, or even if he voted leave, um, I think he would have got in as well. I, I, I think the unfortunate thing is with, with Jeremy Hunt and throughout that leadership campaign is, is all to the hustings that I went to, people came out saying, um, I wish I'd voted for Jeremy Hunt. Now I've heard him speak because people got their ballot papers and they just voted. They didn't actually wait until they yeah. heard um, the candidates, which is a shame. But there you go. We can't change history now. Um, and ultimately, I, I do I do still believe that he will be a great leader. And I do think he will go for it again. And I hope he does, because, I mean, it depends who goes against him. But um, he would definitely have my consideration to back him. Um my second choice, maybe surprising, would actually be um, Yvette Cooper. I, I think within the Labour Party, she has been a force to be reckoned with. Um, and as much as I disagree with what she has been doing over Brexit, she, for the Remainer side, has been fantastic in yeah. the developments that she has made um, in the reassurance she's made to ensure that any um, thing that goes on within the EU has to be passed through Parliament um, and, and her determination to make sure that happens has been fascinating and you know credit where credit is due I might not agree with what she is doing but I can't deny the fact of the hard work that she is doing and it is paying off you know um, and and I think essentially she would have been maybe even still she would have been a fantastic leader of the Labour Party. And as you rightly say, Callum, it's I think she would have been a fantastic first female leader of the Labour Party as well. Um, it's something that the Labour Party still haven't done, and I hope they do it soon. Um, and I think maybe she still has a chance to do it. I don't think her time in Parliament is coming to a close anytime soon. I mean, I think if there's a general election, it will be interesting to see if she wins her seat um, because she's in quite a heavy leave constituency. Um, but we will wait and see. Um, but I, I do definitely think as a an MP, as a voice for the people um, that she feels she represents, she has been absolutely fantastic. And, and I, I wish her the best of potentially becoming um, the leader of the Labour Party. I mean, the only sad thing for you is that, you know, Norma Lamb is now standing down as, at the next election and he won't be able to go for it ever again. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it is very sad. Um and obviously, you know, he's he's been an amazing MP and he's been an amazing uh, spokesperson for the party and all of that. Um, but it is yeah, slightly sad that that does mean he will never be leader. Although I don't think realistically he ever would 
would have won it after that, unfortunately. Uh, well, we will never know. We will never know. And who, who do you think is going to come out on top, Callum? Uh, I think Jeremy Hunt's going to come out on top, mainly because that leadership election was quite fresh. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah. Yvette Cooper will be second, and of course Norman Mann will be last. Is that what you think, George? I think Yvette's going to be first. Okay, be interesting yeah, to see what happens. It definitely will be. So um, remember to vote on this question: Which of these failed party leadership candidates would you uh, would have made the best leader? And remember, they are Jeremy Hunt, Norman Lamb, or Yvette Cooper. And you could do that on wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. We'll be back before you know it. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, which of these failed partnership candidates would have made the best leader? And to find out the results of that, please go to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. Right then, time to move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we are asking the question, do you trust politicians? So to follow up from last week's discussion about trust in journalists, we've decided to take a look at politicians because obviously George is hoping to be a politician one day whereas I was <laughs> or I am hoping to be a journalist so of course public trust has never been particularly uh, in favour of politicians uh, they are always treated with a slight bit of contempt from the general public but we wanted to see what our audience for of politicians so so we're asking this question do you trust politicians so so george do you, do you think that you trust the future you um well i mean technically i, I i'm going to be big-headed here and say that i'm technically already a politician because i'm a councillor but all right we mean more like mps <laughs> no just give me a little bit of glory <clears throat> um I would like to say yes, that I could trust myself because I feel like um, I would want to be someone that spoke my my mind and, and would be honest with what I was saying and voted for what I believed in. Um, but unfortunately, I think when you get into the role, you soon realise that obviously you have a party line to keep to. Um, and if you're whipped in a certain way, it is kind of your responsibility to keep to that whip and to, to vote for it. I mean, obviously, you don't have to, um, but potentially you might not get reselected to stand again. Um, so I think currently right now, trust in politicians is probably at its lowest. Um, Leavers probably would say that right now uh, the trust in someone like Boris Johnson is increasing. But obviously the Romanians would say the trust in someone like Boris Johnson is absolutely diabolical. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that's absolutely fair enough. I, I think it really truly depends on who you ask and, and how you feel about a certain situation. There are some times when I will, um, I, I will talk to an MP and that, and that I think, yeah, actually, do you know what? I can trust you on that topic. And there's other times where I think you're lying out of your backside. Um, I mean, obviously I work for a member of parliament and I trust him, um, immensely and i i trust the things he says to me um i, I mean i suppose i have to because we have a working relationship um but there are certain mps that i have to engage with him that i 
honestly don't trust at all um, and I don't believe anything that they say to me when I have to um, engage with them and, and work with them but obviously I, I won't be saying their names on air um, but yeah I, I would like to think that one day um, there will be uh, I don't know Gup and Kerr um, doing a radio show twenty in 20 years time where they're talking about the trust in uh, George Cup MP and, and last week talking about the journalist Callum Gurr um, and whether they trust them. But I, I, and I hope people would vote in favour of me. But there you go. What do you think, Callum? Yeah, I think it's interesting to see how it changes over time. I, I think, to be fair, people don't don't trust politicians ever, really. Um, and because people are it's quite often like a headline or a tweet or things where people are like, oh, um nowadays people's faith in the political class is at an all-time low and things like this and it's like well it wasn't exactly from a high bar to start with <laughs> to, to be honest with you um but i i don't trust uh politicians really at all uh particularly uh conservative and labor politicians uh particularly conservatives i'm afraid george uh p- particularly because of with the um the recent uh pro rogging of of parliament um that and, and the kind of election of Boris Johnson as leader of conservative party um i've seen people that were fundamentally opposed to Boris Johnson suddenly fall in line and get a cushy uh ministerial position you know i'm, I'm i'll name names quite happily uh, Matt Hancock, Amber Rudd, uh, and people like this, you know, who were vehemently opposed to what Boris Johnson is effectively trying to do now. Um, and I think when you see that, when you see so-called moderates um, fall in line because, you know, that maybe they're scared of not getting elected again, uh, of, of course you don't trust politicians based upon that. And uh, and to be honest, I, 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 the reason as a whole I don't really trust politicians is because of the fact that half the time they're, they're more worried about either party loyalty or not losing their seat than they are about representing what they believe and their constituents, I feel. And I think that that's why trust in politicians is so low, because I think a lot of people feel uh, that's the case, as it were. Um mm. What do you think, George, the, the result of this poll is going to be? Do you trust politicians? Um, I think it will be quite heavily in favour of no, I don't trust politicians. But I mean, I, I would just like to say, I, I think we, uh, we, you and I do have to have a conversation about, um, the, uh, the act of proroguing parliament, um, and the, uh, the right of it. And I, and I think maybe that should be one of our topics for next week. Possibly, possibly so. Yes, although it is just so much in the the news, George. To be honest, I think maybe it was a slightly conscious decision on our part not to do it because of that. Um, but but I, I'd say that more I was referring to just falling in line behind Boris Johnson, despite the fact they said they were fundamentally opposed to him. Yeah. Uh, right then, we've reached time to go on to a song break. But remember to vote on this poll: Do you trust politicians? You can do that with radio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon.
Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, I ask the question, do you trust politicians? And to find out the results of that poll, head over to our Twitter page, that's at Radio. Right then, unfortunately we've reached the time to end uh, this evening's show, so thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Kuppinger. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. So, as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question, do you support positive discrimination you can do that by sending an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through twitter that's at wizradio so remember that question is do you support positive discrimination and we are really looking forward to hearing your opinions next week but as always it is now time for Callum and i to be leaving so i have been the actual politician councillor george lawrence Kalp. And I've been the rejected by the electorate, Callum Gurr. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.